morning or afternoon. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day weekend, doesn't it seem like it came up really fast? Like half the year is almost over. And probably because it's a week early and PT already stole my joke about we know it's getting to be summer in San Francisco because it's so warm and wonderful. <laughs> but I love this weekend as well because I think it's one of those hinge points in the year, you know, we're about to turn a corner in our year. We're heading into summer, school's getting out, maybe some of us are heading into vacation mode a little bit. But the year's almost half over, and I think it's a really great time to just sit and go, okay, how am I doing? How are we doing? You know, where have we come from? Where are we heading? It's just a really good time. And so I was really excited and felt the privilege that I was asked to speak this weekend. You know, and so as I was reflecting back, I'm thinking back to the new year when we started this year. And it was a really tough time. It was a lot of gloom and doom, all the economy stuff. We'd just come out of an election that was really divisive in our country. And um, I mean, obviously, a lot of that is still true. The economy, a lot of the people are going through some tough times. That's, we're not denying that. But I remember back in the beginning, when we were going through that new vision for a new year, there was kind of like an excitement in the spirit. I remember Pastor Terry talking about that. It's like, you know what? Despite all these circumstances, this could be a really good year for us. This could be a year of breakthrough a year of real growth and digging in. Because I remember that he was saying, in those tough times, it kind of drives us inward. And those tough times provide a great opportunity for the Lord to do a work in us. You know, and in talking with some of the women in my small group and in the small groups in the department and all the people that I have contact with throughout the church, a lot of them were saying, yeah, you know, there's some tough stuff going on right now, but I, I feel that excitement. I feel like this year I'm going to get that breakthrough, that freedom, that healing. And I'm looking forward to it. So here we are, six months in almost, how are we doing? You know, and I think that when we want these breakthroughs, it's like God's going to call us to face some things, you know, things that we're not going to be comfortable with, maybe painful things. He's going to challenge us in a healthy way. But you know, maybe he's challenging us in areas where we're not living well, painful, uncomfortable things. But we need to do that. We need to get real to have a breakthrough. We need to have that truth because as it says in Psalm 51, it's in your handout. I think they're going to put it on the screen too. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. God wants to bring his truth to us. He wants us to get real, to face some things. We need to get real and face them if we want that breakthrough. If we're not real, we won't get it. And so I said, okay, Lord, I hear that. So what is it that stops us from being real? What happens? How do we keep from being real with you? And I asked that question, and God reminded me of something that happened to me several months ago. And I can't believe I'm going to share this story. Several months ago, the Lord, I felt the Lord calling me to join a gym. Now, I have been, I have been working and partnering with the Lord for a year now on my health and being a better steward of my health. And um, I felt the Lord say several months ago, you know, doing a great job, but now we're going to call you into a deeper discipline, a deeper walk in this way. And I want you to join a gym. You need that. I don't work out in public. <laughs> okay, Lord, yes. I want breakthrough. Okay, I'll do it. So then I found that there was a YMCA near where I live. And I said, great, that's not like a gym gym. That's like a community center. And it also has like treadmills and weights and all that kind of stuff too. So I joined the Y. And I show up for my first day to work out. 
And I said, you know, I'm just gonna go on the treadmill because I've been walking in my neighborhood for months for exercise, and that's pretty much the same thing, right? So I walk into the gym for my first day, and let me, let me explain the layout of the gym. There's a whole bank of treadmills up against the front windows that face outward, right? <laughs> and then right behind the treadmills is this whole row of like stationary bikes and weird elliptical space walking looking things. I don't know what they are, I don't use them. And then um, behind that are all the weight machines, right? And all of them face forward towards the treadmills. Like the treadmills are on stage. You know, and if anyone's walking outside the gym and they look in, what do they see? The treadmills. I'm like, great, the treadmills have the marquee position on the gym. Uh, okay, Lord, you're with me, I'm gonna do this, okay. So I get up on the treadmill. There's like 35 buttons. I'm like, I don't know how to get this thing started. I'm a college graduate, and I'm like, so I kind of lean over to this older man, and he just leans over and hits the quick start button. That's all. So, so I go through my workout, and then I go over and I stretch, and then I go home, and I'm like, okay, I got through my first workout in public. And uh, so I go back to the second day, second time I work out that week, and I'm feeling better now because I know how to work the treadmill, you know, quick start. So I get, I do my thing, feel a little better, I stretch, I go home. Third time I go to the gym. You know, I'm feeling kind of like a pro. I know the guy's name at the counter, hey Tyler. I walk in, <laughs> I get up on the treadmill, quick start, I'm off, right? Go, and I feel so good now, I'm gonna work out extra long. So I worked out like another 15 extra minutes. I'm like, this is awesome. I am practically a gym rat, you know? <laughs> so I do my thing, I go and I stretch and I go home. Fourth time at the gym. I had to go at a different time, I remember, because when I got there, the gym was a lot fuller than it had been on other times. And I was like, okay, I'm okay then. You know, I'm practically a founding member at this point. It's my fourth time. So I look and I see there's only one treadmill open and I was like, okay, Lord, thank you. You don't have an, I don't have an excuse now not to do this. So I get up on my treadmill, quick start, and I get going and I notice next to me, there's like this triathlete this woman, and she is like flying on her treadmill. And it's like you look down and like the legs are like that cartoon blur. You know, like, I, 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 you know, and I'm like, I can't even see. And I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna be intimidated. You know, I'm, gonna do, I'm here to do my thing at my pace with the Lord. I'm gonna work at my own pace, you know, and I'm feeling pretty good. And I'm like, maybe I will speed up a little bit. You know? So I, I speed up. I learned another button on the treadmill. And so I speed up a little bit. And I was like, oh, this, this song on my iPod is too slow. I need to get a, a faster beat. Pick up my iPod. I start finding a beat. And all of a sudden, the iPod slips out of my hand, hits the track, and goes shooting off to the side. Now, if you're walking on a regular sidewalk, what do you do when you drop your iPod? You stop to pick it up, right? Let me tell you. If anyone has ever fallen off a treadmill, it is not like, boom, and you're off. <laughs> Falling off a treadmill is like a process. It takes a while. I was surfing on YouTube this week, going, I gotta find a clip that kind of shows what my fall must have looked like. There are a billion, by the way. You can go look them up yourself. But after like the third one, I was like, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. I couldn't watch anymore. I'm like, ah, I remember. And he, he'd my advice, and I mean this sincerely. I'm serious. 
If you find yourself falling off a treadmill, let it happen. <laughs> Don't fight it, okay? Just, okay, and just go, because you naturally try to grab and hold on, and your legs get churned up, and you still have this fantasy that you could get back up. And you're churned around, and you're beat up, and then it's like, it takes forever. That fall felt like forever. So I finally, boom, 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 and I'm, I land on the gym floor. And I remember, you know, everyone's looking forward. Everyone saw it. They probably heard it too, because it took a while. So I'm sitting there on the floor of the gym, assessing the damage, both to my body and to my ego. And at that moment is when that voice starts. You start to hear that voice going, you idiot, you are so stupid. You just fell off a treadmill. Everybody saw. <laughs> you really think you can get a handle on your health? You can't even stay upright on a machine. You failure. Stupid. You could never show your face in this gym again, you know, because everybody saw what just happened and you will forever be known as the girl who fell off the treadmill. <laughs> You're an embarrassment. And I have to admit that voice, I just start, I, I heard it coming from afar. Right? And I was like, you know, that is such the picture of what happens with us, with us all. God calls us to a deeper walk, to dig in, to grow, and we get going. Okay, Lord, I feel you're with me. I'm going to go at the pace that you're setting for me. And then all of a sudden, bam, something falls in our path. Something happens, and we go tumbling off our path. Right? And I don't know what that something is. That's maybe something different for all of us. I mean, for many of us, it could be a job loss, a career loss. I mean, there's industries being laid off right now. And that's thrown us completely off. Maybe it's the loss of a relationship. Someone's rejected us, broken our hearts. A friend, maybe. And we just don't know. We're, we're completely thrown and we're off. Maybe it's the death of someone we love someone close to us, and the pain and the shock, and we are completely thrown off. Or maybe it's something that we've done. We've hurt somebody, or there's just that nasty, shameful habit that just keeps coming up and tripping us up, and we're ashamed, and we're thrown off, and we're sitting there on the floor, and that voice starts. We let God down. You know, I'm not talking, there's a healthy conviction. There's a healthiness about, I let God down. Gosh, I'm sorry. I'm not talking about that. That's a healthy conviction. I'm talking about the condemnation, the voice that starts, that goes right after our self-esteem, right after our self-worth. You're worthless, you're embarrassment, you're unacceptable. And we reject ourselves, and we hide all that stuff. And what do we want to do? We want to get up, cover up the bruises, put on a happy face and go, I'm fine, I'm good. What are you talking about? I'm great. <laughs> uh, don't worry about it, I'm fine. Right? What limp, what bruise, I'm good. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to get up. I was already thinking, how many people have I told they joined a gym, because now I'm not, and I don't have to tell them. You know, maybe I didn't tell anybody, I couldn't remember. And I'm sitting there on the floor, when at that moment, the triathlete next to me 
She gets off her treadmill. She smartly reached over, hit the emergency stop on my treadmill, stops hers, gets off and comes down to me. And I'm like, oh, don't acknowledge what just happened. <laughs> you know? But this is what she said, and I'm not making this up. She, she leans down and she says, hey, you know what? All of us are just one step away from that happening too. So just take a minute before you get back up on that treadmill. And then she gets back up and starts flying again. <laughs> And I said, wow, I thought about that. And I said, you know what? She was able to accept my fault and failure better than I was. Better than I was. And I was like, that's a real insight. We have the hard time accepting our faults and our failures. And what do we want to do? We want to run and cover and hide them and put on these happy faces. I'm fine. What happened? I don't recall. It was good. You know what I mean? How many of us are running around with, with you know, proverbial limps and wounds and bruises? And we wouldn't know it. What, what bruise? What limp? I'm good. And that's when we start to be unreal. That's when we start to separate from the true self, what's truly there. And I think that we learn this pattern a lot in childhood. You know, we're, we're children. We have limited resources. We don't know how to handle certain pains. Rejection comes. Horrible things happen, and we feel that unacceptable, that rejection. And so we're like, what can we do to make myself more acceptable? I know, I'll be the good child. I'll be the class clown. I'll be the star athlete, because then I can be accepted and not rejected. And so we start to put on these different identities and personas to survive, because we all need acceptance. We all need affirmation and love. And so we start to do this as children. And as we get older, they take root. They begin to take more and more root. And we rely on them more. And one of my favorite authors, Brennan Manning, he calls those fake faces, those false acceptable selves we put out to the public, he calls it our imposter. They're our imposter. And they're posing as the real us. And the longer we live with them, the more and more our real self, who God called us to be, gets pressed down. And all that real, real pain, real shame, real failures, all that stuff gets hidden. And we can live so long and so accustomed to our imposter face that we actually begin to believe that's who we really are. And then we get to a point in our life where we're like, why do I feel so disconnected, so unreal? Why don't things feel real? Why can't I get that breakthrough? I mean, God comes into our life and he says, hey, you know, let's face some stuff. Let's get real about some stuff because that's how you're going to grow. And it's his love that wants to get past that imposter to the real stuff, to those bruises and stuff. I remember I was finding bruises on my body for weeks after that fall. I didn't even know I had. I was like, how did I get a bruise like right here? I don't remember. Too painful to remember. But exactly, that's what we say. But God knows every wound, every bruise, everything that's happened to us. He knows it all. We don't recognize our imposters. We don't see that because we have put such a face on, I'm fine, I'm good. Don't let him see a sweat. God has intimate knowledge of us. And that brings me to my second scripture in your handout. Psalm 139. It's one of my favorite scriptures. The entire psalm is a beautiful exposition on God's intimate knowledge of us. Let's read it. It says, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down. You know my rising up. He knows everything we do. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path where I'm going, my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. There's not even a word that we're 
about to say. He already knows what we're going to say. He has inner knowledge. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And that's why in verse 23, this is what we need to do. This is a step to getting real. Oh, Lord, search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Know my anxieties. Know the things that I do. This imposter comes up. What is that? Show me all these things that trigger all this self-protection mechanisms. Point out anything in me that offends you. You know what offends God? Things that hurt us. Things that hold us back from growing. We are his beloved. And just as we would get angry if someone hurts someone that we love, that's how he feels about us. It's offensive to him. And that's why he wants to get past these things, heal, redeem, bring his righteousness to certain areas of our life because that stuff is hurting us and holding us back and it's offensive to him. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That's what he wants to bring to us. But he can't get past these false imposters, the stuff that keeps us from being real. Okay, what do I mean by an imposter? What does that look like? You know, when those things rise up, when they burst on the scene, what would that look like? What would it look like if an imposter came on our scene, our imposter, and we were able to have a conversation with them and confront them? What would that look like? Okay, I know it's been a tough time in the company. It's been a tough time in the economy. And I think it's easy for me to stay up here and say, take heart, but it's quite another thing to live it out. So I'd like to share with you a personal story about a struggle right now, and I really hope it will bless you. Oh, too Christian. More corporate. Encourage. Encourage. More corporate. <laughs> Encourage. Hey there. Oh, it's you. It's us. <laughs> Well, I was about to dress the troops in about 30 minutes. Great. Why did I know you'd show up? Oh, did you honestly think I wouldn't? I was kind of hoping this time you'd stay buried. Uh-huh, no. Sounds like I'm just in time. Were you about to share something personal at this corporate shindig? Yes, we were. Mm-hmm, yep, that's my cue. Hey, you know, I kind of had a radical idea. What if you didn't speak for us this time? I mean, morale is really low in the company, and I was thinking that if we shared some of our struggles, then maybe people would be more encouraged. <clears throat> really? We were gonna talk about that? Well, yeah. Uh-huh, in front of the entire division? You know, I just kinda wanna be real. Oh, oh that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I'm here so we don't make a fool out of us. What is so wrong with being honest? Oh, yeah, okay, let's be honest. Uh-huh. Then afterward, people might say we were so brave for being so transparent. Yeah. But in their minds, we know what they'll be saying. What? She's a freak, a basket case. <gasps> they let her into management? No, they wouldn't. All right, look, we are senior project manager for the entire division. People have expectations of us. And what's more, everybody knows we're a Christian. And Christians are supposed to be happy <laughs> and unconflicted. 
So we don't want to mess with that image. It's hard enough in this climate. Yeah, but we're also a real person. I mean, we struggle with some of the same things that everyone else does. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> How much are you going to cross out? Okay. <laughs> All right, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk some generalities, reference a famous quote or two, and then give them a buck up little camper's ending, okay? Here you go. Now practice. I'll be right here. Yes, you will. We can't be serious. We're going to reference the little engine that could? <laughs> oh, where do you see our takeaways? Look at this. Toot, toot? No, give me that. No, take him down, take him down. Okay, look, you can't take over for us this time. What, take over? Uh-huh, now who's not being real? Okay, maybe in the past, I've relied on you from time to time, <sighs> but... Okay, a lot of the time. Oh. But I just think that, I guess that, Okay, now is as good a time as any. Listen, this, this has to stop. You can't, no, you can't. This has to stop. You can't keep posing as the real me. What are you talking about? I am you. No, no, listen, you're not listening to me. Um, here, sit just for a second. I, I wanna talk to you, just, I, I wanna talk to you serious for a second. Okay, listen, I keep hitting these walls in my life and I don't feel like I'm growing. And I just, I can't seem to connect and nothing feels real. Right. And I'm beginning to think, yeah, and I'm beginning to think that, that maybe, uh-huh, that maybe this is the problem. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Right. Why do you always do that? What? Whenever I want to take an honest look at things, ask some tough questions, you busy and distract us. I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about? That's what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. <gasps> Excuse me, I need to update our status. <laughs> Abby is very annoyed at herself right now. <laughs> nice. Oh, we've been tagged in a photo, look. Remember that? That was such a fun night. They loved us. <laughs> no correction. They loved you. You were the one who was on at the party, going into social party girl mode. Ugh, and especially because there was a guy there that I liked. Oh no, a lot of that was you. I just stepped in when you got nervous and insecure. But then I was hilarious, wasn't I? <laughs> oh, honestly, I don't know why you're all upset. We were a hit. Oh, you don't know why I'm upset? I don't know. I mean, if you're the one that's always on all the time, how is anyone gonna get to know me? This me, the real me. Okay, what are you talking about? I am you. I'm the public you, the party you, the Facebook you. I'm the more acceptable you. 
then this to me is that unacceptable. Oh, no, come on, don't go there. You know, forget it, fine. You take over this time again. Oh, no, but... Oh, come on, don't be like that. We're a team, aren't we? Haven't I had your back all these years, hmm? Remember when childhood, all the names they used to call us? <gasps> Kids can be mean. Yeah, but I helped us by using our humor to win them over. Right, and as I recall, we became a pretty popular kid. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And remember the time in college when our family broke up? I mean, remember all that pain? That was a tough time. But who helped you bury that stuff to go on? And we got a bachelor's and an MBA. Who? You did. Exactly. And now, as a 30-something corporate executive <laughs> who serves faithfully in her church, I mean, a lot of people look to us. And who helps safeguard that image? Who helps meet their expectations? Who helps you get the affirmation you crave? You do. But every time I let you take over, I feel smaller and smaller and less real. No, I need to be me more. Why won't you let me do that? OK, look, you don't want to go there. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Answer me. Why can't I be the real me? Because you tried that already. And you were rejected big time. Oh, I tried to keep that buried for a long time. But you forced my hand here. Yeah, I told you you don't want to go there. Yeah, remember that? Remember the parent who was supposed to love you, the real you, but for whatever reason found you unacceptable? And you were abandoned and, and rejected. But that's when I stepped in. You needed me, and I protected you. I helped you survive, and not only childhood, but all these years as well. And you still need me, and where am I? I'm right here, ready to step in at any moment. Help me. I'm not growing. And I just keep hitting these walls, and I don't understand why. <coughs> OK, stop. People are listening. I get so lonely. And I feel so disconnected from others, even from the Lord. I pray, and I worship, and even he doesn't feel real sometimes. Why can't I even connect with him? All right, don't admit to stuff like that. You want to be a good Christian witness, don't you? You know? I'd really like to have deeper relationships with people. I'd really like to get married. But I'm beginning to think that I have no idea what real intimacy is at all. OK, stop. This is exactly why you need me. Uh, why? You're not helping me. Why do I need you? Because you're weak and pathetic. You always know what to say to make me feel worthless. You're so mean and harsh, and not just to me, with others, too. I hear you. And your self-righteousness. You judge <coughs> other people for the very things that we struggle with, too. <sighs> Don't you think people know when we're being false? 
I'm the corporate executive. I'm the party girl. I'm the perfect Christian. You're all consuming preoccupation to keep up appearances just so people will like you. You won't even let me be real with God. And for that, I hate you. I hate you. Yeah, well, I've been covering for your self-hatred, too. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> I just realized you have been my best friend and my worst enemy. You know, but like it or not, you're a part of me. And if I hate you, I'm hating me. And I don't think the Lord wants me to do that anymore. So what are you saying? I'm saying, you know, you're right. You did help me. In school, use my humor and my wit. You know, I made friends, be social. But at what point did I start to use all that as a wall to keep people away from knowing the real me? You know, and there has been a lot of pain that you helped me bear, yes. But I see this pattern in my life now of running and hiding from my real feelings, and it is exhausting. I'm exhausted. How can we ask the Lord to heal what we won't even acknowledge? So friend, you're not helping me. You haven't helped me for a long time. And now it's time for you to step back, to step way back. I don't understand any of this. No. Then maybe you can understand this. It's true what you said about that parent. I'm still trying to figure out how deep that wound goes. But I've walked this journey of faith long enough to know that something else is true. That my Heavenly Father loves me unconditionally. And I'm learning that the word, you know, unconditional, it doesn't mean in spite of my faults and failures. It means including them. Including you. What are you going to do? because I know with the Lord is where we've always wanted to be. That's what we need to do. We need to accept 
those imposters, those things, those self-protection mechanisms, those faces that we wear, we need to acknowledge them and accept them. And what I mean by acceptance, it doesn't mean like, oh, I just have to accept that's how I am, that's how it is, I've accepted it. No, we need to accept them, accept that they are broken, accept that that is not pleasing to the Lord, accept that those things are what hold us from being who God created us to be. And we accept them and we hold them up to the Lord with both hands and say, heal this, fix this, redeem this. Okay, what if I let go of that imposter and God rejects me too? What if God rejects me? That's a real fear. I felt that fear before. But what does God's word say to us about that? Let's turn to our last scripture. Romans 8. Romans chapter 8 is a beautiful chapter in the Bible. Because this is how it starts. It starts with, there is no condemnation in Christ. And it ends with, there is no separation from Christ. No condemnation and no separation. And that doesn't mean that he's not going to challenge us about things in our lives. But there is no condemnation when it does happen. And there's no separation. Let's read these final scriptures from that chapter. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or we fall off our treadmills or we stumble and fall in other ways? If we're persecuted or hungry, destitute or in danger or threatened with death, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us and loves us. And I am convinced, this is Paul writing, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, our anxieties, our self-protections, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell, can separate us from God's love. No condemnation, no separation. There are a lot of voices in this world telling us who we are, who we should be, who we need to be, who we're definitely falling short of. Those voices in our heads in the world, those imposters, what is the antidote for that? What is the truth serum for getting real? God's word. Because in it is life and truth. And it tells us who he is, a loving, mighty God. And it tells us who we are, his beloved. This is the voice we need to be listening to on a daily basis. And I know some of you are saying, yeah, yeah, I know I need to read the Bible more. Or some of you may saying, yeah, I'm kind of intimidated by the Bible. I don't understand it. You know, that's very real. I was at a point in my life when I was intimidated by it too. I'd only look at it for a scripture or a psalm. If you're intimidated, start in the Psalms. It's beautiful, beautiful prayers. But we need to be listening to this voice every day 
because we're going to hear all that other stuff too. This is truth and this is life and this tells us who we are. I'll end with this last quote in your handout by Brennan Manning. Define yourselves radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is illusion. Let's get real. In a minute, we're gonna receive our offering and the band's gonna close us out with a final song. And that final song is a beautiful song about coming together, being real, not pushing them away, but putting both hands to him. So Lord, Abba Father, creator, who calls us your beloved. Lord, let your love just wash over everyone in this room right now. Confirm in our hearts, Lord, our beloved status and identity in you. And Lord, you know the fears, the anxieties, the wounds in every one of us. But Lord, help us to take courage that those are the very things that you want to bring your life to. Give us the courage, Lord, to look, to see what you are pointing out to us, to see your truth, your truth that brings life. And let us to listen to your voice alone and become the fullness of who you created us to be, our real, true selves in you. And we ask these things in your son's name. In Jesus' name.